This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I have to apologize for taking an unintentional break for the last two weeks. Um, I'm back. I'm here. I'm really trying to find this balance as a new mom and some travel for work, some photo shoots, and I struggled to get this podcast completed. But I'm here. I'm back. I'm trying to give myself grace. And I just wanted to remind you and give you kudos to everyone who's juggling things and doing your best. May you also give yourself grace and compassion and, you know, showing up is still showing up, even if there are breaks in between. So as you know, I was in New York last week and it reminded me of a funny story from the last time I was there. So in December 2019, my amazing friend Faye was going to be traveling a bunch and she wanted to offer the keys to her incredible, adorable, lovely apartment in Manhattan, free accommodation in New York, uh, count us in, obviously, Lucas and I decided to ring in the new year in New York City. And Faye, if you're listening, I apologize if I get any of these details out of order or incorrectly. Some of the memories are a little bit foggy, but hopefully I still do the story justice. Faye had an apartment in Hell's Kitchen right in Manhattan, and I had actually been there before because I took care of her dog Rux and stayed and we like overlapped a little so I got to see her too we went for ramen went to a cute bar and her place was lovely so I knew exactly like where it was and everything and she had a key hanging in a little lockbox, um kind of like tucked under the walk upstairs but I guess when her aunt went to visit from upstate to see a show I think like the building super or someone had left a note or somehow communicated that the lockbox had to be gone. So I believe her aunt brought the key with her back to upstate New York until Faye told her who to send it to for us to go get it when we got there. Um, So the key was shipped to Faye's really good friend Tatiana and we were instructed to head to Tatiana's place first and grab the key. Perfect. We had like the tracking info. I spent the few days before flying to New York, like watching the package like a hawk, like, okay, it's like almost there. It's been delivered or whatever. Signed for by the concierge, all that stuff. So we fly to New York. It's a pretty short flight from Toronto, but you fly into Newark with Porter and we opted for like the the tram, like the monorail thing to the train to the subway and just like by the end you're just like very sweaty and tired and you've just been like traveling and lugging like suitcases around and why do like I know suitcases need to have really light wheels but they're never great like through through the urban streets of a bustling city you know like they just feel like they're gonna break and you're like going up and down curbs and like over bumpy roads and like dodging rats I don't know you just it's a lot So we head down to the financial district. Is that where the World Trade Centers were? Um, Which is kind of near where Tatiana lives. And she meets us in the lobby of her beautiful apartment building. She introduces herself. She's wonderful. She runs over to her mailbox, grabs the package. And we're like, perfect. This is it. 
Um, we shake it, we feel something in it. And so we don't want to lose this key. It's been through so much. We're just going to bring it safely in the box. And so there's no chance of us like losing it because it's in this box. We trek all the way back to Hell's Kitchen, which like isn't overly far, but the subway escalators and stairs, you know, it's a lot. And I'm like crampy at this point, super sweaty and really have to pee. I'm like, oh my gosh, is my period coming? So we get off the subway, we like pop into a super busy Starbucks because it's kind of near Times Square, like 42nd Street area, like Penn Station. I don't know. It's a busy tourist area. And of course, I like zip into Starbucks to wait for the bathroom. And of course, like my period started, but all my stuff is outside, like deep in my luggage with Lucas. So I like literally, this is probably too much information, but I need to paint the full picture, you know? So I literally shove a wad of toilet paper in my underwear as like a makeshift pad. And I figure like I'll be in Faye's apartment in literally 10 minutes. I can like shower, clean up, feel refreshed and rejuvenated. So we make the walk to Faye's, get to the shiny door and we're like, yes, we use like one of our keys to open the sealed package and we pull out this hand knit. I don't even know what it's called, like what you put like a hot pot on. Those like hand knit, like to protect your counter from getting a burn, like a hot plate. Is that what it's called? Like a doily? I don't know. So we pull out this like hand crocheted hot pot thing. And then like, I thought maybe the key would be tucked in there so it wouldn't be rattling around and people wouldn't know what it was. And then we like pull out a second one and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no key in here. And we're shaking it. We're like looking on the ground. We're like, did it somehow fall out when we pulled out this little like crocheted thing? No key, nothing. No other envelope, no note, nothing. But it's definitely from that post office in upstate New York. So we're like, what the heck is going on? So we text Tatiana. We jump in an Uber this time. Not making that mistake again. We meet her back in her lobby, still with like all of our luggage and everything. And... I think I'm better now, but pre-pandemic, and we were there for like five days or so with kind of like different climates because it was winter, and I also usually bring like my camera gear and stuff, so we both had like suitcases. Anyway, so we get to her lobby. She's like, that's so weird. Let me see if there's like any other packages in there that somehow I missed. No other packages. No key that like fell out into her mailbox. We check at her like concierge. We're like, did anything get lost in the lobby? Did someone return a key? Nothing. So I'm pretty sure at this point, she kind of like invites us up to her place to even just like wash our hands, run to like have a fresh bathroom to use. While we start to text Faye, who is in Asia, I believe. So it's like a totally different time zone. We're like, when is she going to reply? But I'm pretty sure she replied pretty quickly. because I think she wanted to make sure all of this went off without a hitch. And she's shocked. She's like, oh, I think it was actually a group text with Faye and her aunt, because I had them on like a group chat in WhatsApp to kind of like make sure this all went off without a hitch. So her aunt is shocked and like obviously feels terrible. She's like, something must have happened at the post office. Like, I don't even recognize those crocheted things. Those aren't mine. That's not even what I I put the key in. Like nothing. She's just completely confused. She's like, I'm going to head back to that post office and like see if they can find anything or if they can like track whatever. So Tatiana, who we've literally known for maybe five minutes, offers her place for the night. I think at this point, we're like, okay, 
the post office. It's only upstate New York. It's not too far away. I don't even know how far upstate it might. I don't even think it was that far. Like it was almost like a suburb. Um, I think very close. So we're like, okay, we can still get this key sent to us. Like her aunt will go to the post office. She'll figure out it's probably still there. They just accidentally sent us the wrong package or whoever needed this package is going to get a key and we'll just kind of like sort this out quickly, like in a night, which was wonderful because every hotel we looked at was like either totally booked. I mean, it's almost New Year's Eve or was like the only hotels left were like three or four grand US a night. So we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So thankfully that was such a generous offer and her apartment was so nice. She actually lived with her brother, but he was in LA visiting his girlfriend at the time. And when you walk in, he has, he had like a bedroom on the left and then there was a restroom on the right. And then at the end of the hall was like the kitchen living room, but Tatiana's room was actually the living room. So they had kind of like a big Ikea style, like bookcase kind of sectioning off part of the living room, which was her room. And her portion of rent was honestly something ridiculous, like 2,500 us a month or something. So I can see why they were making this sort of like living setup work. And she generously gave us her brother's room, which is wild to me. So now we're staying in a stranger's apartment in Manhattan, and we are the only ones with a bedroom door that closes while she sleeps in her like makeshift room in the living room. Like, honestly, so generous. And we had to like have a chuckle at this point because this is not how we pictured our trip going, but it did make for a much better story. So one night turns into two, I think even into three, and there's like no sign or tracking of these keys. So the post office had no idea and there's no like spare key anywhere else. So we're basically just hooped and very fortunate for Tatiana. We even went out for dinner and drinks one night with her, our treat, obviously, and got to know her better. It was super fun. And then randomly, we got like a text one day that we had to be out of the apartment after all for New Year's. Originally, she had said we could stay the whole duration of our trip. And at first we were like, oh, darn, did like we do something that like offended her? Like, oh, no, because I thought we really all like hit it off as pals. But I think we were just reading into it and perhaps she wanted, you know, the whole place to herself to either like find love or have her friends over or whatever it may have been and totally understandable. So we grabbed an overpriced hotel in Soho, got delicious ramen. If you've never been to Ivan Ramen in Soho, you've got to check it out. Um, And incidentally, they recommended a very expensive beer to pair with it, which ended up being, I think, Barn Owl from Bellwoods Brewery. And we're like, oh, we actually live down the street from this brewery in Toronto. Anyway, so we got ramen for dinner. We walked around Soho. And I remember thinking how strange it was that it didn't even feel like New Year's. Um, We watched the ball drop, which was happening, you know, only like a few neighborhoods away in Times Square. And we talked about all the things we do in 2020. Ha, the joke is on us, obviously, because 2020 had different plans. Um, But two months later, we were in Palm Springs and I was shooting Alt Summit. And if you've been around for a bit, you definitely already know what Alt Summit is. But for anyone new here, it is the best conference for creative entrepreneurs. It's also a beautiful, inspiring community of supportive women. 
and it's actually coming back to Palm Springs in March of 2023, and I would love to see you there. At this point, the first week of March 2020, we were encroaching slightly into pandemic life. I remember some of the sponsors had to pull out of having like a physical presence at the conference, and it was peak like elbow to elbow for greetings and the don't touch your FaceTime. Anyway, we headed to LA. After that, for a week, we stayed with our incredible friends, Michelle and Alage. Yes, you probably know Alage, the incredible figure skater who went viral during the pandemic. And so we were staying with them. We were set to fly home on March 13th, which was Friday the 13th. But luckily for us, we actually got stuck on the plane. And I'm talking like the biggest plane. It was it was one of those planes that was like three seats, aisle four, four seats, three. And then I think there was a couple seats in the back that were like near something and they were like two closer to the windows. So we had that. We're like, we don't care. We don't want to be by a stranger. Anyway, we got stuck on the plane for three hours. And the reason it couldn't take off was that the air was broken, which knowing what we know now about COVID is wild. There were like menopausal women like profusely sweating walking up and down the aisles there were like babies crying it was a lot and so anyway we got off the plane we stood in like a crowded lineup to get food vouchers while they tried to fix it didn't end up working we stood in more crowded lines to get our vouchers for our hotel then more crowded lines and crowded buses to go to the crowded hotel lobby where we ate and then started all over again the next day to get home, which was March 14th, 2020, when the world basically shut down. So all this to say, being in New York last week, after my last experience in New York and shooting Alt Summit again, after my last experience shooting it in Palm Springs, was a very full circle moment. So without further ado, I introduce you to today's episode, which is all about Alt Summit and full circle moments. I want to start by sharing five takeaways from the conference, and then I'm going to share my segment late to the party. So here we go. So here are my five takeaways from Alt Summit in New York last week. Number one. Just because you're not the best yet doesn't mean you don't belong. This was shared by singer, songwriter, actor, artist, Kate Vogel. She actually signed her first record deal when she was like super young with MySpace Records. Remember MySpace? And shortly after that, she was cast on One Tree Hill. Also, great show, remember? Um... She said that she was so unbelievably nervous showing up to set because she felt really out of her element. She just like wanted to get up and leave. She had never really done a lot of acting and just like, yeah, she was very overwhelmed. Um, And that's where she had to remind herself of that very quote, just because you're not the best yet doesn't mean you don't belong. And her character on One Tree Hill was actually also a musician, and so she got to sing a ton of her own original songs on the show over the four seasons that she was cast. 
Uh, so we are so glad she stayed. And since then, she has released a couple other albums, an EP, and even started a blog recently with her sister called We the Dreamers. And even cooler than that, I think, she lived in Paris for a year to learn French because she wants to be fluent. I love this reminder because I think sometimes, especially with social media where it's so easy to compare ourselves to others, and as soon as you decide and declare that you're going to start something, it's almost like the world and probably the algorithms start showing you everyone else who's doing that too. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're all doing it better than me or whatever. And just because you're not the best yet doesn't mean you don't belong. Number two, start where you are with what you have and then take the next step. This was said by Julie Lewis, and Julie received a blood transfusion during the birth of her first child, Teresa. This was back in 1984, a year before they started testing blood for HIV, and she found out that she actually was HIV positive. But by the time she got her diagnosis in, I think it was 1990, she had already had a couple other kids. And so they each had a 25% chance of contracting HIV from her. And I believe that now with proper care and treatment of HIV, you you only have a 2% chance of passing it on to a child. But thankfully, the same day that she found out she was HIV positive, which was obviously heartbreaking, she did find out that her husband and three children managed to not have it. So she said she focused on like the relief from that which was lovely, but she was only expected to live three to five years, which is absolutely devastating when you've just started. Your, I mean, it's devastating for anyone, anytime, but especially for someone who just started their life with three young children that she didn't expect to be able to see grow up after that. But despite all the odds, in 2014, for the 30th anniversary of her diagnosis, she was so grateful for her life-saving blood transfusion that she wanted to do something really big and really special, especially because she said that she lost so many friends from her HIV AIDS community over the years, and she wanted to make sure she did something really big and really special in honor of them because not all of them got to make it to 30 years like she did. So she decided that she wanted to open a healthcare facility somewhere in the world where a woman wouldn't have had the same access to a blood transfusion the way she did in childbirth. And then I guess her son, who incidentally is Ryan Lewis from Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, but I guess he said, Mom, you made it 30 years. Like, we're not doing one healthcare facility. We've got to do 30. You know, kind of like think big. And so she's like, oh my gosh, okay. So the 3030 Project was born. And in June 2019, they began completion of number 30. I was so hugely inspired by Julie Lewis. And I just, I can't wait to see what she and her family do with the next 30 years of her life. Number three, grief and joy can exist together. Cindy Spiegel had the most moving talk at the conference. I was honestly a blubbery mess. I could barely focus on shooting. 
um, because my eyes were just permanently like tears were permanently streaming down my face and I didn't see a dry eye in the audience. Cindy and I actually met years ago at both of our first alt summits. We were just attending. We, she had just left her job at coach at the height of their like purse fame. And she was teaching yoga and making chai, making homemade chai. I'm sure she was probably starting or doing other cool things too, but I remember the yoga and chai being the standouts. And her, she had sort of imploded her own life and was starting to rebuild. And the biggest thing I remember about meeting Cindy all those years ago was her ability to make me feel seen and loved in an instant. And I think my life, unknown, unbeknownst to me, was about to also implode, not by my choice, but by my marriage being ripped from underneath me. And at that point, when Cindy met me, I really had no idea kind of who I was. And she had this gift of almost like seeing the potential in me or seeing the person I was going to one day become. And I don't know if that makes sense, but she... She has this magic way of making people feel seen in love. I just feel like being around her and being in her orbit is such a gift. And since that very first conference, she's had many achievements. She launched Dear Grown Ass Women, which is an inclusive group for women who are 35 plus, and they focus on personal development and deep connection and community. She also married her incredible husband, Ira. She spoke at a bunch of conferences. She's been the keynote. She wrote a book called A Year of Positive Thinking, which we have in Remy's nursery. It sold something like over 200,000 copies. It is a joy watching Cindy shine. And what I didn't anticipate was having to watch her endure the most painful years of her life. These last couple years have been beyond heartbreaking. So only a few short days after George Floyd's murder and when the world would finally realize how much systemic racism and white privilege and white supremacy exists in our society, Cindy's 32-year-old nephew, little Bobby, was randomly and senselessly murdered on May 29th, 2020. She was only 10 years old when he was born, so they really felt more like siblings. And he was just on his way to a friend's house when he was murdered. Four months later, the love of her life, the reason she's here, everything good about Cindy is because of her mom and her beautiful, incredible Mama Shelley died on September 22nd, 2020, just four months later. And Cindy says it was in part because of the broken heart of losing her grandson, Bobby, who actually lived with her. And it was Mama Shelley who answered the door when the police came to tell her that he had been murdered. He was her heart center, as Cindy put it, and she feels that her mom really left to join Cindy's dad, who died when she was only 28, and, of course, Bobby. And then five weeks after that, Cindy's brother had a stroke and almost didn't make it. And then her cat needed to be put down. And all of this was happening while she was somehow trying to work on her book about micro-joys, which 
Cindy defines microjoys as a practice of discerning joy and finding hope at any moment accessible to everyone, despite all else. Cindy's talk was honestly just heart-wrenching, inspiring, and somehow she made us laugh in the midst of her grief that she's still working through and processing and will be forever. Um, But this was her first public speaking event since that very alt summit in 2020 that I talked about earlier, and also since these devastating losses. And watching her speak was just so beautiful and raw and real. And just the way she showed up was just so incredible. And how grateful are we to have been witness to such a beautiful talk and to learn from Cindy. And I I can't wait for her new book. Number four, the growth and opportunity is in the fear. This was said by Julia Hart. And if you haven't watched My Unorthodox Life on Netflix, I highly recommend it. Julia Hart is a fashion designer, entrepreneur, and author of the book Brazen. She is also the co-owner and former CEO of Elite World Group. But what inspires me the most about her is the story of how she watched her youngest daughter decide that she couldn't conform to the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community that they were part of, and that's what helped Julia leave. Her three eldest children left with her and they were shunned by basically all their family, except I think one of Julia's sisters and their whole community for doing so. But they've built an incredible life in New York and that's all part of the show on Netflix. So Julia was raised in this bubble where everything about her life was controlled. She said from which foot goes off the bed first and what she wears and how I guess her body and her even her hair are meant to be kept sacred and private and not shown to anyone, I think, except maybe her husband, but even the walls of her home. She was meant to be modest because the walls of her home could not see those things. So she was covered essentially head to toe. She said only her wrists and hands and ankles were allowed to be seen and above, like above her collarbones. So she was raised in an ultra conservative, ultra orthodox community. She was told as a wife, she was not supposed to talk too much or ask any questions. She needed to be obedient, to dress modestly and Since leaving, she has had so much fun expressing herself through fashion and clothing. And she's just constantly like learning and growing and asking all the questions and making up for all the time that, you know, she was unable to do that. And she is so inspiring. I can't wait to read her book. Honestly, she was just such a light. I had the opportunity to photograph her and spend a few minutes with her. And she was just so kind and so like loving and joyful and yeah she was wonderful so i highly recommend watching my unorthodox life and remember that sometimes just like she said the growth and opportunity is in the fear so you've got to feel the fear and do it anyway even if you're scared number five this is maybe my favorite lesson of all Online friendships can feel as real and meaningful as in-person ones. 
So like I said, I've been a part of the Alt Summit family for years now. I started as an attendee. I was a speaker a couple times. And the last several years, I've been the lead photographer. And I have made some incredible friendships over the years at this conference. And I think in part, we've all, the friendships I've made, we've all seen each other through a lot of things, divorces, marriages, pregnancies, miscarriages, losses, career highs and lows, faith crises, death, birth. And, you know, every year we see each other, we reunite once a year and we pick up as if no time has passed. And so this time I was very curious what two and a half years was going to do. And obviously not everyone could make it this year, just depending on you know, where they were at in their lives and just getting to New York is different for some people than getting out to Palm Springs. But those who did, the magic was still totally there. How beautiful. And we picked up right where we left off. We jumped into those meaningful conversations. We said the things we want to say. We opened our hearts. It was just so special. And I had the opportunity to share Remy with them all. You know, I have watched so many of them bring their babies over the years and I've been so inspired by how these incredible women seem to parent and start these creative outlets that blossom into incredible businesses and you know all these things and it was so cool to be able to be on the other side this time and bring my sweet little Remy to pass around a bit what a gift Welcome to my favorite segment, Late to the Party. I love this because I know that I might be later to know things than other people, but I'm definitely not the last. So now I finally have a place to share all of the cool, wonderful people and things I come across that, yes, maybe everyone already saw it on TikTok or wherever, but I guarantee some of you won't know about all of these things either. And this week, I have a really exciting one. So give it up for Gabrielle Blair. She is the founder of Alt Summit, and she actually started her own blog, Design Mom, which focuses on the intersection of design and parenthood. Um, back in 2006, it was actually named Time Magazine's Website of the Year and has won other similar awards. She is a New York Times bestselling author. I actually photographed a couple homes in her first book, which is really cool. She's also a designer. She's a wife. She's a mother of six incredible humans. And in the last few years, she received sort of a new fame for her viral Twitter threads. Her very first one was about abortion, unwanted pregnancies, and irresponsible ejaculations. It has been so widely praised and discussed in such great detail that it is actually now a book. How cool is that? The book is called Ejaculate Responsibly, A Whole New Way to Think About Abortion, and it was actually released today on October 18th, depending when you're listening to this. And I could not be more proud. I know it might be cliche to think a friend's book is going to change the world, but I honestly really believe it. In the book, there are 28 super easy to digest, compelling arguments about how abortion is actually a men's issue. 
And one of my favorites is ovulation is involuntary and ejaculation is not. So you'll have to pick up the book to learn the other 27, but honestly, it is such an easy read. It is so great. And, and she's just a wonderful person to support. On a personal note, I've known Gabby for almost a decade. And at times we've both said we feel like kindred spirits, which is truly the greatest compliment to me. And I'm sure a lot of people who meet her feel that way about her. But I do see parts of her that I've also seen in myself. I want to go back to when I first met Gabby almost a decade ago. She radiated this goodness and had sort of like a very wholesome Mormon energy. And granted, I realize we initially met in like professional terms. So some of it may have been that. But she ran this big conference in Utah, which featured predominantly white Mormon female bloggers. I couldn't even picture her swearing back then. And over the years, I've proudly watched her birth this new version of herself. She said in her talk at Alt Summit this year that anger makes you brave. And she admits that Trump coming into power in 2016 made her like so mad that it changed everything for her. And I know I've shared this story on my Instagram, but it's worth noting again. Back in 2019, Gabrielle spoke for the very first time at Alt Summit. Yes, the founder of the conference had only ever interviewed or moderated and never actually spoke herself. And she was going to be doing a reading of her viral Twitter thread on men being responsible for unwanted pregnancies and irresponsible male ejaculation. Yes, the original thread that started it all. And she had been saving this beautiful dress, which was a gift from her children, for a very special event, and this speaking engagement was it. Anyway, she crushed it. She comes out on stage looking absolutely incredible. She's talking about ejaculation, abortion, pregnancy, condoms. There were, like, gifts going up on the screens. And... Some of them were funny and some of them were bold and she has this gentle badassery in everything she does. And her husband, Ben, and five of their kids, who were all in attendance, sitting right near the front, gave her, I'm not kidding, like a roaring standing ovation. They were beaming from ear to ear with pride and could not stop talking about how proud they were of her. They were like whistling, they stood up, they were cheering. One of her sons was there. And I mean, I don't know about you, but most like early teen boys may not be cheering for their mom who's on a stage talking about ejaculation. It was just like one of the most amazing sights to witness. And it was settled right then and there. I wanted kids. If I could raise like a little person to be even a glimmer as kind and supportive and talented and fun as one of the Blair kids, I knew that my life's work would be done. So if you don't already follow Design Mom on Instagram, do yourself a favor and follow her now. You'll find a nice balance between watching her and Ben parent their three youngest kids in Normandy, France, while they renovate this like charming home from the 1600s mixed with the best roundup of like ragey, funny, and mic drop worthy tweets. You should also follow her on Twitter at Design Mom. And if you're someone who's not totally on Twitter, she actually has an Instagram account called Twitter by Design Mom where she does a lot of the same roundup 
clips of her tweets there too. Or not even just her tweet. She rounds up the best of Twitter on that page, amplifying other voices as well as hers. And make sure you buy her book, Ejaculate Responsibly. Everywhere books are sold, send it to someone you know. Have all of the men and boys in your life read it. We need to start changing the dialogue here. And if you go to Workman Publishing's website, there's also some really cool merch like her Ejaculate Responsibly tote bags and hats. I couldn't be more proud to know her and love her and be in her orbit. She is everything good in this world, and I just can't wait to see everything she continues to do. That's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And huge thank you to Lucas for helping produce the show. Music by Mike Halleck. Oh, it's so nice to be back. And thank you so much to everyone at Alt Summit, old friends anew who said hello and gave me a hug last week. It was just such a great time. I'm also looking to start sharing more of your stories here via answering questions and essays and also starting to interview some incredible people as well. So if that interests you or someone you know, please follow along at Finding Sparkle Chasing Light on Instagram. As always, thank you so much for being here. And remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself. See you next week. Bye.